Yeah, we're back in First John. Uh, last week, we did verses 1 through 6 of chapter 4. So we're going to pick up right there, chapter 4, verse 7. And we're going to read through the rest of the chapter, which would be verse 21. So once you're there, I'll go ahead and read the section. Okay, it reads, Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him, and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent his Son as the Savior of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God, and they abide in God. So we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this way, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God, and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. All right. So uh, before we start digging through the text, I would like to start with kind of a summary of what we've already talked about with regards to love, since the word comes up a lot and what we just read. Um, so in previous messages, we've referenced 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. Uh, we've also referenced 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, which says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. John chapter 15 says that greater love has no one than this, that someone may lay down his life for his friends. In short, uh, quote-unquote biblical love uh, is what pushes us and others closer to God. Loving someone is giving them whatever they need in order to grow closer to God. Now, growing closer to God can look like a lot of different things. It could look like glorifying God, obeying God, knowing God, fearing God, etc., Maybe a friend needs to hear a firm truth. Maybe a friend needs patience and kindness as they grieve or as they're stressed. Maybe you need to sacrifice your time in order to hold them accountable or encouraged. So love is not just good vibes. It's not just accepting everything as it is. Uh, it is done with others in mind and that they may grow closer to God. So just want to get a quick summary of that so we can dive into the text. So verses 7 through 8. Um, the first thing that John starts us with is a statement 
about how love and God are connected, as well as showing us where we fit into it. Now, there are two statements about the connection between God and love that may at first seem to be at odds with each other. John says, love is from God in verse 7, and he says, God is love in verse 8. Now, in his sermon on this passage, uh, the theologian John Piper, he does a really good job of explaining how these statements are connected and united instead of at odds with each other. Uh, So with regards to love being from God, Piper says that John doesn't mean it's from him, God, the way letters are from a mailman or even letters are from a friend. He means that love love is from God the way heat is from fire or the way light is from the sun. Love belongs to God's nature. It's woven into what he is. It's part of what it means to be God. The sun gives light because it is light, and fire gives heat because it is heat. So, the source of all love is from God because God is love. Okay, so once you've cleared that up, let's look at what the statements, uh, let's look at the statements, statements that John is making in those two verses. So when we read the verses, we see that John is making uh, some sort of assertion about how knowing God and loving are related to one another. Proclamations like, everyone who loves is born of God and knows God, are not describing a sort of transactional relationship between us loving and knowing God. Our acts of love do not earn us more knowledge, and it certainly does not earn us a new birth, or in other words, salvation. Instead, John is describing a certain fact. He's describing reality and truth. Those who love are the ones who do know God, have been reborn, and have a heart transformed by the Holy Spirit. Those who do not love are the ones who do not know God, have not been reborn, and have a heart that only cares about itself. Us being reborn by God and knowing God is what happens first, and then we love others. It is not the other way around. So if loving others is what Christians do, what might that look like? Well, verses 9 through 11 give us a good uh, outline of that. So at the beginning of that section, uh, we've already summarized how we've uh, defined love so far. And in verse 9, John tells us how God revealed and gifted us his love. It is the act of God sending his only son to be the necessary sacrifice for our sins. This is how the love of God was manifested for us. This is the ultimate act of love. Verse 10 says that love did not start with us loving God, but God loving us. John is making a clear statement that love always starts with God. This relates to what we read in verses 7 through 8, the idea that we are first loved, first saved, and reborn by God, and only then is when we can love others. In verse 11, John circles back to his first statement, charging us to love others because God loved us. Uh, The word ought is used in that statement, um, and tracing back to the original Greek verb that was used, uh, the verb is ophelo. I learned how to say some Greek today, Um, checking the pronunciations, so that's cool. Um, But anyways, that word means uh, to owe or to be indebted often used in the context of kind of a a moral obligation or a response that humans would have. So what John is describing is a natural response that we have and we will fulfill. So John is saying that since God loved us so much, 
the response we have would be to love others as God loved us. Now, something I think is easy for us to lose sight of uh, is the magnitude of this love that we're talking about. If you pick any page in your Bible, it's more than likely you're going to find an instance or a mention of God's people disobeying Him, of people sinning. God created humanity. He gave them a beautiful garden to live in. Genesis 2 says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Adam and Eve, however, did the one thing that the Lord told them not to do. Later on, God saw and heard his people suffering and dying as slaves in Egypt, and he worked through Moses to deliver them from slavery by performing miracles and guiding them to a safe place to live. And yet, quickly after that, his people wished that they had never left. Uh, in Exodus, they say to Moses, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. The Israelites break God's commandments by making a golden calf in Exodus 32. Later on in the book of Numbers, they say to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Further down the road, the Israelites, they ask God for kings uh, like other nations. God grants this request and yet the kings constantly disobey God and lead the people astray. 2 Kings chapter 17 says, The Lord had sent his messengers and prophets to warn Israel and Judah, Abandon your evil ways and obey my commands, which are contained in the law I gave to your ancestors, in which I handed on to you through my servants, the prophets. But they would not obey. They were stubborn like their ancestors who had not trusted in the Lord their God. God's people, the ones he created and chose to be with him, constantly disobey and stray away from God. Uh, their nature was to consistently go against God. Humanity, left to our own devices, is constantly deserving of a separation from God and for condemnation for everything we have done wrongly. And despite all of this, God still desires for His people to be with Him. God still loves His people first. God didn't wait until we did something right. He sent Jesus to be the atoning sacrifice for everything we had done wrong and everything we will do wrong. God didn't wait until Jesus came to earth to love us, and he doesn't wait until we are in heaven to love us. God loves us through it all, no matter what happens. He is where love starts every time for all time. That way when we can be with God forever and he can slowly change our nature to grow closer to Him. This is the love that John is saying is within us. So we can think about how this might apply to our own lives, how this would work through us in our own lives. So let's imagine you've got a friend. Uh, they're struggling with a sin. Maybe they're lying to you. Maybe they're being too prideful. Maybe they're giving in to lust, whatever it may be. So you do your thing. You do the loving thing. You talk to them about it. You have a good conversation. They say they'll stop. Okay. Let's fast forward 24 hours. Maybe a couple of days. Maybe I'll give them a week. They're doing it again. Right? They're repeating the sin. Now, if that happens, and the more and more it does happen, it may be really tempting to just throw up your hands and walk away. 
Wash yourself clean of the situation. Now, do you really think that the love within us that held fast to humanity across all of time and despite all of their sins will give up on that friend that quickly? No. It will keep working and keep loving patiently and kindly. Now, unlike many commands we have, this is not just a call to imitate Christ. Uh, We can look back at what John has taught us in this section. Those that know God, love. Those that do not know God, do not love. They cannot love. It's the same way a broken radio does not play music because it cannot play music. Or how seed with no soil will not grow because it cannot grow. God is the source of all love. All the love that we have is God and is from God. Therefore, every time we are acting out of that love, it is because of God we are acting that way. It is our own will being aligned with God's will. It is our nature being aligned with God's nature. Thus, we should never be discouraged from acting out of biblical love for one another. It is not possible for this love to come from anything other than God. All right. So verse 12. Verse 12 refers to a biblical truth that God cannot be seen by any human eyes. However, John tells us that by loving one another, we will know the reality of God and that he exists and he works within us. Our loving of others is the natural outflowing of God's love within us. And therefore, it is the evidence that we can point to for us to know that God is within us and real and working through us. Uh, Jumping down to verses 13 through 16, this next section, it tells us how we can have assurance that the Holy Spirit is within us. Uh, Real quick before we get into it, um, I want to define the word abide. Um, Second Greek word I learned in the past week is the verb meno, which is the Greek verb that uh, John used here. Uh, It's often translated in the Bible to abide. Uh, There are also instances in the Bible where it's translated to verbs like to remain, to stay, or to dwell. So I might use some of those words interchangeably just to use a word that we might be more familiar with. Uh, Verse 13 is John explaining that by our actions of biblical love towards others, we are assured that the Holy Spirit is within us because love and the Holy Spirit are both gifts from God. It is by our loving of others that we know that we remain or stay with God, and that He remains or stays with us. Verses 14 and 15 go to give us even more assurance. Verse 14 describes how we as Christians have seen and know what God did for us. And more specifically, we know the perfect example of love that God did by sending His Son to earth. So not only do we know this, but we also proclaim it and testify it to be true. John goes on to say that those who proclaim that Jesus is the Son of God are the ones who God abides in. If we believe and say that Jesus is the Son of God, we can be assured that God remains with us and we remain with God. This, uh, similar to verses 7 and 8, we already talked about, it's not describing a transaction. We do not speak the Holy Spirit into existence within us. Rather, those that the Holy Spirit is within are the ones who do testify to Jesus being the Son of God. God is always first in this. God enters our hearts 
makes himself known to us, and then we proclaim the gospel. The first part of verse 16, it caps this point by saying that because of God abiding in us, we can believe and know how God loved us through his Son. The second part of verse 16 recalls the truth that God is love. John reminds us of this in order to tell us that those who abide or remain with God also are abiding and remaining with love. So this strengthens the encouragement for us to continue loving one another by reminding us that it is God who is the love that we act on. So moving on to verses 17 and 18, those verses serve to give us even more assurance, uh, this time with a bit more of an eternal perspective. Uh, when John says, in this, he's talking about us loving one another and proclaiming the gospel, like we just talked about. Uh, the confirmation we can have by loving others and by proclaiming the gospel, it should give us full confidence in our eternal standing with God. So when God gives us with that love, uh, the love transforms our hearts to resemble, to resemble His. And so when we are judged by God, our hearts appear the same as His. Perfect, clean, ready to enter heaven. Okay? Uh, we can be assured of this because we know that it starts with God and was seen through by Jesus. Verse 18 takes this a step forward and states that in this love there is no fear, and that fear is cast out by the perfect love within us. So first, we should clarify what John is specifically talking about when he mentions fear in this section. There are plenty of examples in the Bible where we are commanded to fear the Lord, and that fearing the Lord is a good, wonderful thing. A quick example, Proverbs 1, verse 7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge but fools despise wisdom and instruction. This is not the fear that John is talking about. Uh, John says that uh, fear has to do with punishment. So John is talking about a fear of rejection on the day of judgment, a fear of an eternal separation from God. This is a fear that we no longer have. We can have full confidence and assurance and know that God abides in us and we abide with God through our loving of others and proclamation of the gospel. Therefore, because of this assurance and confirmation, we have no reason to fear where we end up eternally. God always remains faithful to his chosen people. If we know that God abides in us, then we also know that God will never leave us. And so if we are to be assured of God abiding in us, then we are also to be assured of our place in heaven and our eternal standing with God. Great, so last section, verses 19 through 21. Uh, this last section starts with a very clear statement, almost a summary, um, and it reminds us uh, that love starts with God, and it always will. Not only is this saying that we should love because He loved us first, but we can love because He loved us first. Uh, this passage concludes with more practical applications in verses 20 and 21. So verse 20, uh, John's pointing towards a sign of hypocrisy that's pretty easy to identify. John points towards a circumstance where someone claims that they know and they love God, but then they turn around and they hate their brothers and sisters in Christ. It is made clear here that what John is describing is not a mistake that Christians make, but it is a lie that people of the world tell. John has already extensively proven that it is not possible to know God 
and hate your brothers and sisters. Because those that know God are vessels of God's love for his people, and God does not hate his people. Uh, previously, 1 John verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 18, it tells us to love not in word or speech, but in truth or action. That's just being reapplied here, right? The love is through the action. It's not what we say is love. It's what we do is love. So therefore, if you do not love others, then you cannot claim to, to love God. John expounds this idea by telling us a truth about humanity. He says that humans cannot hate something that we tangibly can see, in this case, other humans, other Christians, uh, while also uh, loving something that we tangibly cannot see. So hating people and loving God, that cannot exist because that will contradict what John has already taught us. Uh, it would contradict the statement of us knowing God, if we know God, then we naturally love our brothers and sisters. And John ends with, with a commandment saying that those who love God must love their brothers and sisters. John has proven that this is not just something we should try and do. John has proven that these exist one and the same, that one cannot exist without the other, and it is the natural outflowing of God's love towards us and through us. Nothing can stop God. So to summarize, God is love. Love always starts with God. Through the sacrifice of His only Son, Jesus, the perfect example of love, that love is gifted to God's chosen people. Therefore, Christians are obliged and naturally drawn to love one another as an outworking of God's love, which now abides within us. Those that love others and proclaim the gospel are the ones that God remains with. Knowing this, it is by loving and speaking the gospel that we can have assurance that God is within us. And knowing that God is within us should give us full confidence in our place in heaven. So if God loves us first, we must love our brothers and sisters. There's no love without God. And just the last thing will be an encouragement to always remember that God is love and it was acted out on the cross. So if you're ever feeling unsure of what that love is or you're confused on what the love looks like or discouraged from loving others, can always go back to the gospel and remind yourself of the cross because that will always be the perfect example of love. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for loving us first. Um, Lord, we, we would be nothing without it. Um, Lord, thank you for your word, for the truth that it tells us so that we may know and, and grow closer to you. God, just thank you for being with us. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for remaining with us. Uh, thank you for giving us community where we can, where we can love each other. God, I just pray that uh, we never forget that you are love. You are the source of love. You are the only true love on this world. Um, and I pray that we don't forget that it is you that causes the love within us and that we may never be discouraged from loving others, from loving you, uh, from loving your word. And God, I just pray that uh, we remain excited, we remain assured that we will be reunited with you up in heaven. It's in your name we pray. Amen.